0: Hello, and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me is an antiques expert, as this week we are going to discuss Season 5, Episode 4 of Antiques Roadshow. Now, we were looking at an antique clock when we left... Scott! Yes?
1: We have to go back! Back where? Back to the podcast! The, the, the one about Back to the Future, yeah, back, so it's... Back Back to the Future, Back to the Future podcast. Man, it's just... You have a lot of steps in your place.
0: Yeah, sorry about that.
1: Back to the... Fu- just get in the car. It's downstairs. It's okay. no time! Okay, okay, I'm going.
0: Stop! Put the coffee down! All
1: right, all right, all right. Hold on. <laughs>
0: all right, so where are we going?
1: We're going back to Back to the Future podcast about Back to the Future. And... Uh, Strangely enough, um Sean erased himself. Anyway, let's go! What?
0: Hello and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Great Scott, and once again, what would a time travel story be without somebody that's technically in the future? So joining us once again for part two from the great city of Melbourne, a guy who sure can hydrate a pizza, Hamish. Welcome back.
1: Hey, how you going? Doing good. Doing good. Hopefully. I mean, it is the future now. It is.
0: It is. The movie's entirely in the past now.
1: Yes, it's a document of our rich, glorious past, (laughs) future past, the past future that we didn't get and wish to have. Yet, seeing as uh, from the last podcast to this podcast, a lot has changed.
0: Certainly, certainly. Well, this week, in honor of the day that Marty McFly goes to the future, which was Wednesday, October 21st, 2015, which is now over two weeks ago as we record this, we will continue our two-part series looking at every little detail of the 2015 scenes of Back to the Future Part 2 just to see how accurately the movie predicted the world we now live in. So first, we took a close look at the 2015 Hill Valley scenes. And in this episode, we'll talk about the scenes of the McFly home in Hildale. But uh, before we continue, you know, as I said, it's been a little over two weeks now since part one, and and like you said, a lot has changed since then. So uh, let's quickly just mention a couple of uh, corrections and updates to our previous Back to the Future episode.
1: Yeah, I think one of them is that we now, well, to a limited degree, actually have self-tying shoes, we self-lacing do. shoes. Yeah. You know, shown by um, Marty McFly himself, Michael J. Fox, who actually showed what the shoe looked like. Uh, I think on Twitter you can find him uh, and you can see him trying out the shoes for the first time, and an, an episode of Jimmy Kimmel showing them live on TV. And they're interesting. I mean, you can also find the patent online as well and take mm-hmm. a look at it and see how they've been built. Uh, it's really interesting for the fact that what they're doing is uh, going to auction them off, I think later next year for his organization, and it's going to be really interesting for the fact that those shoes, from this point onwards, will be very uh, accessible to people with disabilities, especially people with Parkinson's, having trouble tying shoes, and that the shoes are now a reality, and if if the auction goes really well, I'm sure it will, because the last Nike mags that they've sold were, like, sold really well, and, you know, the people who have them cherish them, even though they don't self-tie but these new ones will be such high collector's items Oh yeah. and will bring so much focus to the need of these kind of shoes. I mean, I don't personally need them right now, but like the need for other people with disabilities to use these shoes would be fantastic. And what they assume is like after this auction, because the technology is now available after that point, uh, probably in a couple of years, i say three years' time, you could probably see more of those types of shoes actually being created physically mm-hmm. for the consumer rather than just being auction pieces.
0: Yeah, pretty amazing. <laughs> the only thing I think when you tweeted it out yeah, something about the the noise. It's yeah, a little yeah, noticeable. Yeah,
1: that's, <laughs> that's that's what I noticed. If you look at the video on uh, Michael J. Fox's Twitter, you can hear a kind of and the, and the thing is, it's off a hand off, off a smartphone. In the guy's quite a distance back, yeah. But you can hear it even in the Jimmy Kimmel video. You'll hear it a kind of a whooshing sound. But again, this is the first version of the shoes. So, oh, sure, sure. You, know, you give it time. It's like smartphones. You give it time. The first ones were kind of clunky, and you know the battery life was. Pretty rubbish. But yeah, you give it time and it will come into a a new degree. But again, you know, it's it's great that, you know, these kind of objects have all kind of rushed to meet this new future, I guess we call. Except for one other product which People aren't happy about bringing us to something else. The Pepsi Perfect.
0: Yes, the Pepsi Perfect fiasco. That was uh, that was pretty crazy. Pepsi announced on social media that they would sell, you know, replica bottles of Pepsi Perfect online. As we talked about, it's just regular Pepsi with, uh, I think, sugar instead of corn syrup.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to read on social media because, seeing as Pepsi only had a limited stock of these special bottles and they're selling for like, what was it twenty dollars a pop? Twenty fifteen. 20, yeah. Yeah. 2015, uh, and they were selling a very small amount of them. A lot of people were complaining, seeing as they all went onto Amazon to buy it. Uh, and there were complaints that the website didn't work, that when they put it into the basket, the item disappeared. Uh, other people were saying that, you know, they couldn't find where to actually access or get They hold on to these um, bottles. And then people said, well, could you actually make a new line of these uh, bottles? And they said, I think the marketing director said, like, "Uh, we're not thinking about making a new batch of these bottles. They're they're only a very limited stock, and they're supposed to be very much a huge collector's item. And at the moment, if you want to buy a Pepsi Perfect from eBay, you can get your Pepsi Perfect, not for... 2015 but for $399.99 so if you're desperate for a drink (laughs) head over to ebay and fork out all that money just for a, a pepsi wow just for a pepsi but it's funny from this complaint and all the complaints that people have had you actually can find the twitter website twitter website twitter page called pepsi imperfect and see a whole bunch of complaints from people
0: oh that's great well, see, this is what happened. I, at midnight Eastern Standard Time here, I, I was very interested in seeing at least what they were going to charge for these things. I expected mm. they were going to cost a fortune. Actually, 2015 for a collector's item like that is pretty reasonable, but like you said, limited to 6500 So I wanted to see if I could even have a shot at purchasing one. So I went to Pepsi.com because they said on social media they're going to be online, you know, be sold online on our website on Wednesday, October 21st, 2015. So I went to Pepsi.com and I kept refreshing the page and then midnight rolled around and I refreshed the page and I refreshed again and again, and there was nothing. So I was like, well, all right. So I went to Pepsi's Twitter account and I found an older tweet from earlier that day saying that they will only be sold, like you said, through Amazon.com and Walmart.com. So I was like, okay. So I went on both of those sites and there were no listings on either of those sites And usually, you know, like an item sold out, as you know, it'll just say out of stock or, you know, Mm. you can be notified by email if it ever comes into stock again. But uh, the searches for the items just completely turned up nothing. And what happened was Pepsi accidentally sold them hours earlier than midnight on October 20th, 2015. And the fan outrage on social media just, it was hilarious. Yeah, It was so funny. And uh, Pepsi did admit to their mistake, and they did announce that they will soon come out with another limited batch being sold in a, in a similar way. I think it might be another 6,500, but I'm not sure.
1: Seeing as a Mr. market and seeing as a huge fan outcry, uh, unfortunately, you can't really repair that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm sure there'll be people who want to buy the stuff, oh, and yeah. it'll be great for them, but I, I'm, I'm not assuming they're going to do that kind of run again. Seeing as, yeah, it's it a huge highly anticipated product I guess for them uh, to create something which is matching such a beloved movie but yeah it seems like after this huge debacle it seems like not not many people want to jump on top of that or the spotlight on that kind of stuff was kind of moved onto something else I mean imagine if uh, someone screwed up Star Wars and you're offering a product like, hey, everyone gets a free lightsaber toy or something like that, <laughs> and it turns out to be like the first 200 people who go to this website and get like a specifically made Star Wars prop will get it, but they don't say it. they say so like, oh, you know, it's a it's a limited run, and you know we're we're going to sell it two days before we actually actually release it. You know, it, it's 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 awful, especially for fans when something like this just goes. Just pear-shaped.
0: Just just another quick update. I just looked, and uh, it was on November 3rd at 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time, so uh, we missed it. We missed the second run.
1: (laughs) Whatever shall I do but drink normal Pepsi?
0: One company, however, did get it right, and that is USA Today. And In part one, I mentioned that I was really hoping that the USA Today would make their Thursday, October 22nd, 2015 edition match the look of the newspaper in the movie, And for a while, it didn't look like anything was going to happen. The paper on Wednesday, the day before, had no mention of Back to the Future at all, except for, at the very bottom, FedEx put in an ad that said, yeah, there's no flying cars yet, but, you know, something to the effect of, you know, you could still use our service. (laughs) So I was like, okay, well, maybe nothing's going to happen. But then, that Wednesday night, I got a tweet from At One Wall Cinema, who's our frequent guest host, Kevin, And he sent me a link to an article about the USA Today doing just what we hoped and turning then tomorrow's paper into a prop replica. That's uh, fantastic. It is awesome.
1: It really is. That's amazing. I mean, you guys are so lucky to have that. We we didn't have really anything like that magical moment happening. Especially, it's great that they actually picked the correct day, though. Yes. And they actually didn't do it on the day. They did it the next day, which is perfect. And that just makes that newspaper still relevant today because they're all a bunch of nerds
2: oh yeah really
1: <laughs> they're they're really focusing on like no 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 we don't do it on the day doc brown got it from the future of that day so we do it the next day and that's smart that that's yeah. the best that's that's just giving exactly the people what they wanted they actually were i think out of everyone who's done like some sort of back to future promotion they were the ones who did the perfect promotion not pepsi perfect pepsi screwed a little chance yep but those guys yeah On top of it, fantastic. Yes.
0: And I just want to talk about this briefly. What they did was they took the Thursday edition and they put a full-page wrap over it, kind of like what they would do for a big advertising campaign or something. You know, that that usually Mm -hmm. happens, like a car manufacturer or something will order this huge advertisement to wrap around the paper – But instead, it was the faux front page of the USA Today. Uh, A couple of changes were made where it said Queen Diana will visit Washington. Uh, They changed it to 3D billboards, free speech, or traffic hazards. Hmm. And uh, in the news line, they also replaced the Queen Diana mention, which, you know, I can understand. It it was probably in poor taste now to leave it in. Yeah,
1: Uh, I guess just freshen up a little bit. I mean, yeah, you couldn't have that because it just, yeah, seems a little bit rough. Yeah. But, you know. The rest of it seems like fantastic on their part, especially if whoever came up with the idea and actually proceeded to actually create this wraparound. You guys are really lucky.
0: Oh, very much so. I mean, a couple of other things that they added. Woman asphyxiates in self-adjusting jacket. Uh, (laughs) uh, Activists mobilized to ban alphabet soup. And if you read into it, it says, this is an offensive product which contains slurs and profanity in every can.
1: Mm, Uh, that, That almost seems like something that actually would happen today still. (laughs) <laughs> Probably. Uh,
0: Cafe 80s closes Moscow branch because um. Russians were not nostalgic about 1980s USSR or Leonid Brezhnev. Mm. Uh, Mothers Against Drunk Flying hires new lobbyist. Uh, Maddie the Hoverboarding Dog TV special tonight. He's the best. There's a picture of him too. Uh, tw- 2016 hoverboard models will be lighter and thinner. Mm-hmm. and It says uh, underneath but they still won't work on water. Ah, shame. Atrocity Channel's Immolation Special gets super hot ratings, (laughs) Vietnam Surfing Championships begin tomorrow, and Parole Denied Again for Joseph Joey Baines,
1: 61. (laughs) See, that's really great. I mean, it's great that everyone kind of got into that and actually added a little piece of uh, something new to it. I mean, just instead of just going, here's the same thing again. No, I mean, it's good that they made those adjustments and kept it kind of fresh it's yeah. good i mean I, again like out of all these things i've seen uh, floating around from the back to the future day yeah i think that's the best one just because they picked the right day uh, they created their own paper i mean their own wraparound which you know matches the one from the movie but also keeps it different and fresh and makes you actually want to read it so i think yeah that's that's the best one ever plus it's, yeah. it, it'd be a great collector's item
0: and it's cool, for, especially if you're, you know, a fan of the movie. There's a lot of, like, in-jokes here. There's an article about uh, a mom that was injured when she rehydrated a pizza slice. Uh, there's there's an article about how Hollywood is going to remake A Match Made in Space, the novel by George McFly. Hmm. And just in case you are not a fan and, you know, you just kind of pick up the newspaper that morning and you're looking at all these stories and horror, uh, there's hmm. a, a little article at the bottom called Public More Gullible Than Ever. And uh, it's very funny, it has some statistics that don't quite add up to 100%, Mm. and uh, talking about how people wouldn't understand fictional news articles relating Mm. to a science fiction movie. So, very, very funny. And if you did buy it, if you look on the inside, there's a a full-page poster, or full-page ad for Jaws 19. Although, Max Spielberg was changed to Alan Smithy, so they probably didn't Ah, want
1: it. Unfortunately, if it's called Alan Smithy, you do not want to see that film. It's the great classic fake name that everyone kind of uses just to bail out of a picture, yes. even if you're a big name. I mean, I love that gag. It's great.
0: There's a, there's a futuristic ad for the USA Today for your smartphone, mm-hmm. and on the back is an ad for the 30th anniversary Blu-ray trilogy. That's actually a real advertisement, and a, an advertisement for Michael J. Fox's uh, Parkinson's Foundation.
1: Yeah, so it should be there. It's yeah. great.
0: Very, very nicely done. And, of course, Hamish, I am going to mail one to you.
1: Some sort of future technology? Yes,
0: yeah, so a flying courier.
1: Oh, thank God. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't want to use the mail system. I mean, whew, that's oh, antiquated these days. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I look I look forward to finding that paper and opening it up and realizing that I'm reading the future news from the past.
0: It was very surreal because I, I went to, like, every gas station and bought, like, two or three. I ended up with a, a small stack of them. At the end of my morning endeavor. And it was just so surreal to pick up the paper and realize, like, I've been waiting since I was, like, seven years old to hold the paper today. Weird experience.
1: Yeah. Plus, it feels very organic, rather than just being like, you know, this is a prop for the movie. Be very careful with it. It's not just like, no, no, I can buy this paper for the the exact amount it is and use it as a paper. Yeah. It's great. Although,
0: one very good change is that uh, it was only $2. It was 6 in the movie.
1: Yeah. We are living in this brilliant future of ours. <laughs> it's funny they did they didn't inflate it to $6 just for the sake of being some sort of um, keepsake of Back to the Future. Again, USA Today, win. Yes. That's fantastic.
0: Yes, very much so. If they were going already for like $10, $20 on eBay.
1: Wow. Yeah. And, and is that what you're going to do?
0: I might hold on to them. I, I got some friends that want some, so I gave one mm-hmm. to Sean.
1: But no, it's great. I, th- I think with everyone who's jumped into the Back to the Future day um, extravagance, I guess you want to call it. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of people who actually were very creative, a lot of people who actually took the time to think back of where they were, who they saw this movie with, and also think of why this movie is um, uh, interesting to them, because it always came up with new ideas, and a lot of people in this day and age are still thinking of Back to the Future, even though, yeah, now it's an old movie, it's been an old movie for a few years, but we still think of this idea of that there's a bright, shiny future just a little bit further down the track. That's yeah. good. It's always good to have that optimism.
0: Not to get uh, pessimistic after that, but uh, just to update on the Chicago Cubs, because they, they were still in the playoffs for part one of our episode. Uh, they were actually swept by the New York Mets in the National League Championship Series. However, the movie did predict a sweep in the Cubs series.
1: So, kind of a prediction there. Sure. Let's just go with <laughs> that. Just, just, we'll just say it's that. Yeah. But
0: the uh the, the Mets went on to lose to the Kansas City Royals in uh, in the World Series. It was actually the second championship in Royals history. When was the first? No idea. Nineteen eighty five. Oh oh, so, so something there.
1: <laughs> it's all it's all coming together. Sure, sure. Actually, strange enough, for if you want to just keep this very vague in in, in a weird back to the future way, uh my mother is called Lorraine, and I live near a place called the Pines. Oh wow, okay. Which is which is, a, which is a shopping mall.
0: That's funny. Oh really?
1: <laughs> yeah. This is actually brought up to me since the last podcast. My friend listened to it and it's like, "Huh. Eh, that's odd." It's like, I was like, "What? There's very similarities in certain things." I was like, "What do you mean?" It's like, "Well, your mom's called Lorraine and your last name has a muck in it, like yeah. fly. You live near a place called The Pines." I was like, "And?" It's like, "And I'm just saying." They're being very vague about it too, but, you know, unfortunately I don't know any crazy weird scientist doctors called Emmett or anyone with the last name Brown. So (laughs) one day maybe, or maybe I'm supposed to have the kid. Yeah, I'm supposed to have a Marty McFly kid who meets a crazy old scientist, which again, I probably would be very, feeling very odd about that. Yeah, yeah. Keep keep tabs on your kid. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, why why are you hanging around this old guy? What's going on here? (laughs) It's strange enough to add that kind of weird non-canal relationship between Marty and Doc. If you played the video game, Uh, which I did go back and play this week Mm -hmm. um, by Telltale Games which other people will say it's very linear which is sure it's fine but it's mostly telling a story so it's unlike the Walking Dead thing where you have different options it's very linear but it's a good story to just kind of give you kind of framework if you want to make it kind of canon non-canon even though Bob Gale was very much involved in the work of that Mm -hmm. um, Telltale Games adventure yeah, it it was interesting to play it because it very much focuses on Emmett Brown's relationship with Marty so in a weird way it kind of makes sense for why Doc and Marty are best mates and friends for life or friends for every time period. Mm-hmm. So it's it, if you pick up the game, yeah, you'll find something very interesting. It's not really like a continuation on this movie. It's like a kind of a side. But, you know, it takes place after the third movie and it's just it's a little bit of fun, non-canon adventure.
0: It's yeah, good. very, very yeah. great game. Also, the, the comic book series published by IDW came out, the first issue... Course came out on Wednesday, October twenty first, twenty fifteen, and I believe that's going to be a four part limited series, and those are also written by Bob Gale, and also are supposed to be canon.
1: Fun, yeah. It's it's all coming together. Back to the Future uh, will never stop, especially if you saw was it Tesla release like a, like a con- sedan concept car or something like that. Uh, recently, Tesla has a car which has the gull wing doors, which is strange because you can have. I had a conversation with one of my other friends that talked about they could bring back a DeLorean, even though DeLorean was. Awful and not the greatest thing. If you want to hear about the history of DeLorean, look up a video called Love of Cars and look up the episode for DeLorean, and you'll hear about the these two guys who basically put together a car. Like they find a car in, uh, what was it England, uh, which is a right hand drive DeLorean, opposite to left hand drive mm-hmm. for the American one. Uh, and they talk about the history of the DeLorean and its rise and its failure as a car. But yeah, I was talking about saying, like, you easily bring back, just for nostalgia's sake, bring back the DeLorean and make it an electric car, because obviously it's supposed to be a car of the future. And you'd probably have a lot of people buying it. Oh, just sure. To, you know, just to bring up this whole idea of uh, electric being the future and uh, the electric car being something that, you know, we wanted from the future. And if you blend it with the idea of, you know, you take the DeLorean shape of the original car, blend it in with uh, the technology of Tesla, you'd probably have a lot of people getting on top of it just for the sake of, love of the movie and also the idea of just this cool looking car oh definitely
0: it's a very desirable car Mm. but again you know
1: these are just ideas
0: just ideas and again not to go too much into all this stuff I just wanted a couple of things I missed from the first episode Uh, that blast from the past antique shop I forgot to mention the movies Dragnet starring Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks I don't know if you've ever seen that movie Uh, I have and Animal House those were in the window I just thought that was pretty funny
1: Dragnet, it, I didn't mind Dragnet as a movie. I think it had some weird remix to its theme music, though, which, for some reason, everyone was going through.
0: Yes, uh, yeah, I was going to mention that. It has yeah. a, uh, a
1: Dragnet rap. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone had to have a rap.
0: Oh, of course. Mm. Also, in the Café 80s, I, I looking back at that scene again, I noticed there were small monitors on the tables. Mm. And last week, it was funny, I, I ate at a chain restaurant, and, and, you know, don't worry, it was an Outback Steakhouse. But yeah. on <laughs> at every table, they had a small touchscreen monitor, and on it you could read menu items that had games, you could order things from it, and it even uh, had a thing on the side you could swipe your credit card and, and pay through it. And uh, some people, a couple tables over from us were having a, a very difficult time using it, and a lot of items they ordered didn't come through.
1: Where did you go? An actual <laughs>
0: Cafe 80s? Uh, A little cafe called The Olive Garden. I don't know if you're
2: familiar with
1: that. Yeah, I I think thanks to (laughs) a lot of American TV shows, I know what The Olive Garden is. (laughs) (laughs) But if they're using TVs to order things, and yeah, I I don't think they have figured out their business model yet. That seems odd.
0: Yeah, it it was very weird, because you can can swipe your credit card, and for $1.99, you can play touchscreen games while you're sitting there eating your breadsticks.
1: (laughs) Oh, good. I'll just hold on i'll put my phone down my smartphone which has like enough games on it and i'll play a game on a small screen yeah exactly rather that than my everyone. Phone for free plus you know you're eating at the olive garden so you know y- your life is on a skyrocket it's great and hey,
0: what are you trying to say
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying i just you know that that thanks to your american tv shows olive garden is <clears throat> a quality place
0: when you're there you're family according to the commercials it's the place that conan o'brien likes to make fun of quite a bit <laughs> No. <laughs> and when you call the waitress's mummy, they don't like it. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> anyway. All right, so where we left off from part 1, uh we noticed that uh there are two officers and they're able to identify the passed out Jennifer based on her thumbprint in their identipad and remark that she looks good for 47 years of age. Uh, and they take Jennifer home to Hilldale, assuming that she's the Jennifer McFly of 2015. Doc sees her and theorizes that Jennifer might encounter her future self, creating some sort of destructive time paradox. And he throws away Marty's almanac and leaves. Biff was listening to this the whole time and decides that he will use the almanac. So we next cut to Hilldale, where the police are dropping off Jennifer at the McFly home. And uh, yeah, this is a, a really... Bad, drug-infested neighborhood. And using Jennifer's thumbprint on this uh, AT&T device on the front door, or next to the front door, the officers gain access to the home and walk in. So, thumb pads, what do you what do you think about this?
1: Oh, it's technology exists. I mean, you actually do have the biometric scanners these days, especially in your phone uh, with the newer models where you can actually put your thumb on it and it'll just read your thumb. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Unfortunately, it's very... Um, if there's an episode of MythBusters, you actually can see them using one of those uh, biometric scanners, and they hacked it in so many ways. It's embarrassing. I think really? they used like they used a like a photocopy of a thumb at one point, and put it over the biometric scanner, and it still worked. Huh. So technology does exist, but it has been perfected to that point. So I'm assuming in the future that they have like a genetic code that they can actually just look up and go, oh, it's this person genetically. Uh, and they can go off and send you back to your house, apparently. But, yeah, I think the technology is interesting. Unfortunately, I think the lock and key method still works today, because much yeah. your scans can be hacked. And plus, if you saw um, Doc looking through the window later on, you could probably just smash a window and get into the house. <laughs> yeah, really. J- just saying. It's totally true. Hmm. But um, voice activation was interesting, because when she walks into the house and actually says, lights on, or one of the people said, lights on, to activate the lights in the house, especially after the cops drop her onto the couch.
0: Yeah, well, they, they tell her that it's dangerous to enter the house without having the lights on, and Jennifer, kind of in a daze, says, lights on, and yeah, when and she says it, they come on, yeah. It responded only to her voice at that at that point, which I never noticed until uh, I watched it uh, recently for this episode.
1: Hmm. Which is interesting, because that kind of uh, technology does exist, the kind of voice recognition system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find it in... I mean, it, it's not as perfect as... Uh, saying who's who, uh, I think with the connect and also with the iPhone, you can do it as well. You know, when you talk to Siri mm-hmm. and you talk to your Xbox uh, at home, and you say Xbox, do this. So yeah, that technology does exist. I think it is useful, but you haven't got to the point where it's very much um, a voice match, where something will only listen to your voice. I mean, I think not yet. I think the last time I saw a voice match system was in the movie GoldenEye, <laughs> when they're going into the Seven Eye uh, satellite area. And you have uh, that Russian guy, was he Russian? Going into it and he's using his actual voice print and it matches up his voice and puts it together and opens the door. Uh, that's the last time I think I saw that stuff kind of work. <laughs> I think after right, that, right. the future. But um, obviously that's a movie. And in this day and age, yeah, we haven't got the exact voice matching software to match whose voice is whose not yet i think um, on a wide base for consumers i mean you know like i can pick up someone else's iphone and still talk to siri but you know
0: yeah exactly i i've heard for some high security things that they're they are working on it uh it does work to some degree but yeah it's not like you could walk in and somebody could say lights on lights on but if the real owner says lights on it comes on it's just uh, a little too far away
1: yeah, I think it's, it's a great idea, but like I'm assuming there'll be times, I guess, if you were doing that and you had like a croaky voice that, you know, if you were sick and you had like a cold and you didn't sound exactly the way you did, yeah, it wouldn't come on. So, yeah, yeah exactly. you come downstairs, you say lights on and you got a cold and you're staying home from work. And there's no lights and you trip over and you injure yourself.
0: Yeah, or you scrape your thumb getting the mail and you can't come back into your house.
1: Yeah, or you have a sweaty thumb because you know you got like uh, a cold and a flu and you know you can't get your thumb in there, so you get locked out of your house. Actually, what would you do if you, that happened? Like you get locked out of your house, it's like I need someone else's thumb. That's oh, that's why you steal thumbs. Never mind. Well, that's why you got two thumbs. That's why you keep a spare thumb in one of those fake rocks in your house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the future, <laughs> you have a fake rock which somehow looks like a thumb. No one's gonna figure that out. It's just modern art. Mm.
0: Just out of frame in the movie. I'm sure they had one.
1: Yeah, just small details. <laughs> small details.
0: And also another funny detail is the uh, one of the officers, uh, specifically Officer Foley. You can see that uh, bo- both officers did have a little uh, LED marquee on their forehead of their of their hat, just above the brim. Mm. Uh, Officer Foley's, you can see, says, "My name is Officer Foley." But yeah, those those LEDs, those little marquees, you can see that technology in a lot of different things. Uh, more novelty items than anything else, like things you can bring to a sporting event. Or uh, we once had a, a clock that a wand would move back and forth really quick, and you could see the, the dots form the, the numbers of the, the time. You know, just little things like that. Not, mm. not too practical, but uh, those, those things do exist probably a little more now than they did in the 80s.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of um, novelties these days using those um, little LED things.
0: Now, Jennifer gets up off the couch and she walks over to the window, but it's not a window. It's actually a screen broadcasting what's called the scenery channel. And uh, Jennifer remembers that she is in the future. Now, uh, what do you think about the scene screen featuring the scenery channel?
1: I think for what they're doing, I think, what, you mean like the screen itself? I mean, like we do have projections, uh, yeah. projection screens. I mean, huge widescreen projection screens. Um but I think for a channel, uh, strange enough, doesn't it exist in Cable or something like that? It's the Weather Channel, isn't it? Uh, I think it's interesting, but it's, I feel like compared to the environment they're living in, it's just one of those kind of escapes due to the fact that... I think it was, there's another house after she opens up the blinds. There's like a house on the other side. Yeah. Uh, after was it Lorraine comes to the house, opens up, and there's like a black window. Like, it just looks awful outside. So I guess it's one of those kind of um, therapeutic escapes for the mind, seeing as they live in such an awful environment.
0: But you can also get, and aside from screensavers, because you know there's also those kind of things. But there are DVDs you can buy and Blu-rays now uh, with aquarium fish to put on your TV. There's also uh, Yule logs around Christmas time that uh, people like to put on to make their TV look like a fireplace. There's also some some uh, smaller affiliates, uh, you know, different channels, different cities that will air. Uh, on Christmas, the the flaming log, so people can wheel the TV in the, in front of the couch and make it into a makeshift fireplace. So that, that kind of stuff does exist. It's TV, mm. but not really any substance to it other than that. Uh, just one note on the scenes that the McFly family has on their uh, scene screen is the Twin Towers and the skyline of New York, obviously not in mm. existence in 2015, but, you know, who knows, it could have been old footage,
1: you know, just anything else so you know plus their screen was kind of old and damaged
0: yeah you notice at the bottom it was really uh, messing up
1: yeah so uh, you yeah, know I mean, it probably was stuck on loop and they haven't updated it in a long 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 time but no i i don't that kind of equipment it, it does exist i mean you could buy projectors for the home but i don't think i'd ever use it one of those things i mean you can go on youtube and find a whole bunch of therapeutic footages on loop of like beaches and things like that especially of the uh wood fire places if you want to oh, yeah. you know make your office very festive Uh, or that you've run out of money to pay the gas bills and you just want to mentally get yourself warmed up rather than physically. (laughs) Which is one of those things I assume. I assume if you're just looking at like a roaring fire, your body will just automatically acclimatize and go like, yeah, it's really warm in here. If I just keep saying it's warm, maybe my body will just agree with it. And maybe this warm, tingly feeling isn't hypothermia. It's just (laughs) very warm logs.
0: (laughs) Pay the utilities instead of buying a scene screen, I think is really the best way to go.
1: Yeah, I think it's different for you guys. I mean, if you were using the log fire uh, over in the US, yeah, you're using it to ignore the fact that it's really cold. If you're using Australia, you don't want to see fire. The last thing we <laughs> need in, during Christmas time is, is more fire. We don't, it, it's already hot. We're already sweltering. We're wearing very little. We're just trying to cope the best we can. But I think, yeah, I mean,. It, I, one of those scenery things, um, yeah, I guess can be used in the future for therapeutic reasons. So quite
0: plausible, sure. Hmm. Now, as the doorbell rings in the front door of the house, uh, Jennifer hides in a storage closet as her future daughter Marlene greets her grandmother Lorraine at the front door. Of course, Marlene (laughs) being played by Michael J. Fox with an altered voice. And uh, George is behind her, hovering upside down on a device called an ortholev. Uh, because he threw his back out. And of course, uh, hanging the character George upside down was a way of making it n- kind of look like Crispin Glover, but not having to have Crispin Glover play the part. Mm. Uh, well, which, plus,
1: you know, he's out of frame most of the time. Because yeah, he's upside exactly. down, you only see legs flying around. Plus with all <laughs> that makeup on his face, yeah. And all he has to do is a kind of a slight squeaky voice, and that's it. Yeah. Who's going to eat all that pizza?
0: Oh, I will. <laughs> Now, now, the
1: ortholev, what do you think about that? Um, well, seeing as a couple of weeks ago, I had to go and see a physical therapist to fix up my back. Uh, being upside down and your spine in that position, not a good idea. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's literally the one thing which you don't want to do to your body. And, like, being upside down in that position, yeah, not not good for your spine. I was he you threw it out playing golf or something, was it?
0: Yeah, it was golf, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. you don't want to do that to your body. You, you basically want to s- sit fur- like, flat. On a surface, keep yourself flat, don't move too much, uh, and don't you know, do too much exercise like that. But it's interesting to see that you know he still wants to be active, and there's equipment to keep him active. I don't know how he's going to eat food if he's upside down. Oh, wait, he goes sideways, doesn't he? Does he? I'm not sure. I thought the whole thing goes sideways when he needs to eat food. I think it's in scene later on. Like, you see oh, the thing I... kind of tilt to the side when you're nearing the kitchen.
0: Okay, yeah, I didn't so even notice that. So he actually
1: eat food or drink. <laughs> I, I don't think it's a great idea to have, especially if you're injured. Because imagine if you're gone around with that piece of equipment and you get hit by a car or something, or something awful happens, or the thing just doesn't work and you drop on your head.
0: Yeah, exactly. That'd be very
1: scary. That's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Now, have you heard of inversion therapy for back injuries? Uh no, I think I don't know it in full detail. I think I've heard about it, but I don't know any details about it unfortunately.
0: Well, we have uh, infomercials, or at least we used to have infomercials quite a bit for the teeter table, I believe it was called, and it was invented by this man. He was in his 70s and he's vibrant and he can jump around and he's in good health. and what he does is he straps himself to this table uh, lying flat and then it swings downward at a steep angle. So he's almost upside down. And uh, in the commercial, they tell you that, you know, it separates the discs in your back a little bit, and that helps uh, uh, restore, I don't know, natural lubrication between the bones. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I know some people that use it and think that it's great. So that's what it reminded me of, is that those inversion tables for backs, to me, I think I'd get a headache from the the head rush.
1: Yeah. But hey, if it works for them.
0: Well, you might want to try it. Were you hit by a Rolls-Royce by any chance?
1: No. Oh, oh, okay. I wasn't, but when I, I think when I was 18, I nearly got hit by a bus, maybe. Ooh. That was years ago.
0: Can you play uh, guitar still?
1: Uh, I used to play guitar years ago in primary school, and then I moved on to playing trumpet, and then I just stopped playing. <laughs> so, <laughs> It wasn't like an injury, it was just kind of like I had phases. Fortunately, I don't play guitar anymore or trumpet.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah, it's hard with trumpet, because you're either got to play jazz or wake people up. I think that's the only thing that they use trumpets for.
1: Yeah, basically. Um, (laughs) And and, you you, you really have to feel jazz. You you can't just do jazz. You have to feel it. If I understand movies and everything from Miles Davis' work.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, let's go back to the scene here. (laughs) So, meanwhile, Doc and Marty are rushing to Hilldale to retrieve Jennifer as a taxi is following them. Uh, back at the McFly house, Lorraine is messing with the scenery channel. Uh, we learned in this scene that 30 years ago, somebody called Marty a chicken, and he wouldn't let it go, and it resulted in an automobile accident where he was hit by a Rolls Royce. And it, of course, had negative consequences on his life ever since, and that's pretty much what we're witnessing here. Uh, Doc and Marty land their DeLorean in Hilldale, and we see that the Hilldale sign has been vandalized. Did you notice that? hmm and so and, and now now instead of saying Hildale, the address of success it now says Hildale. Hildale, the address of suckers.
1: It's it's great that the even though the area looks very like it's strange enough it doesn't look that bad. strange no. enough. As compared to the alternative uh past alternative present past god it's getting confusing now. The yes. alternative present of Marty's present uh looks like a complete trash hole, right? But compared to what it looks like in the future, yeah, it doesn't look too bad. I mean, even though it has crime, it doesn't look that overrun with crime. Like, I don't see any cars on fire or any kind of dilapidated vehicles. It looks pretty good.
0: Yeah, they probably wanted to tone it back because of what we'll see later on in the movie. Hmm. So now Biff gets out of his taxi cab and he's charged $174.50 for his taxi ride, (laughs) which he pays by pressing his thumb onto a portable thumb unit. Meanwhile, at the McFly home, Marty Jr. comes home and steps in front of his giant flat-screen television and asks for channels 18, 24, 63, 109, 87, and 247. And and on this multi-channel screen, we see the various things such as the weather channel and commercials for cosmetic surgery. So what do you think about the multi-channel video screen?
1: Yeah, definitely a piece of equipment that actually does exist. Yeah? I mean, uh, was it? it was very big during the late 90s, even 2000s nowadays. I think... um cable you guys over cable actually had that uh opportunity to actually pick different channels like mm-hmm. not as many as what the other marty was it future marty has uh but you have like i think he could have six maybe possibly or maybe three i'm sure I on
0: once sc- on the screen at once i believe it was six
1: yeah you could actually have that many screens and i remember it was it was like a one of those cable packages things from reading it up uh yeah. over in america i you, I guess I, we didn't actually have it as hugely enough here, but I do remember um, a couple of TVs you could actually buy and a couple of, what is it, Foxtel boxes and things like that. We actually could do that, you know, do multiple channels. But it mostly it was like two channels, I think, for us, depending on the TV you got, because it's still very early on in its infancy. And I guess, you know, the market really didn't pick up as much, but you can still do it today. I mean, I think you can still have the ability of doing multiple channels onto a screen, but it comes down to, like, I don't know, how you, if you're watching TV off your um of your computer these days.
0: But back like in the early 90s picture in picture was a very big thing. Mm. Uh, just uh, you know the little screen and it was kind of nice if you had like a sporting event that you were you wanted to watch and you had a movie going or something you wanted something that you wanted to keep tabs on in the upper corner. Uh, I believe Magnavox was one of at least the mm. first big television manufacturers that offered that and had commercials for it starring John Cleese <laughs> with him saying Magnavox smart very smart. And, uh, yeah, so now, nowadays, you know, while picture-in-picture technology did exist as early as, you know, like the 1970s, really, Mm. these multi-channel video screens, like we see in the movie, they did become a reality for households, like, in the late 2000s, Mm. uh, mostly for the purpose of keeping track of multiple sports games, though, at the same time. In that form, this is actually now a part of many cable and satellite providers for their sports packages. Mm. You know, because obviously, watching six different movies at the same time is pretty dumb and practical. What are you talking about? It's a great idea.
1: Or oh, actually, yeah. these, these these days would be good to catch up on Netflix series. You know, yeah, it's all, watching all at the ones. same time, you just pick up these little bits and pieces. Like, okay, he's going into the building in episode one. The building's on fire in episode two. Episode three, he's gone back to the building. You don't understand, but you just get images, I guess. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. But uh, for, you know, a lot of times
0: for college football, of course, you got to pay a lot of money if you want one of these packages. Mm -hmm. You got to be really into the particular sport you're subscribing to. But I can see, you know, the the value of having six games at once and and wanting to flip around. And especially uh, those people that, you know, are are real into fantasy sports because that's really big (coughs) right now. So, yeah, that's uh, kind of an ever-growing thing. Another part of that scene is the voice control. So uh, voice control entertainment. I mean, that's that's pretty much everywhere. Like uh, Siri and Google, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Amazon has a device you can ask questions. You can, I think, Roku now has a remote you can talk into it as well as the new Apple TV.
1: Yeah, that's all. It's all coming together. I mean, the Connect as well. Yeah. yeah, you got all the stuff that's actually now uh, implemented into a normal society of just using equipment, which actually has uh, voice commands into it. It's great. I mean, it's now that it's become like a second nature kind of thing these days, where mm-hmm. in the beginning of it, it was very like, you feel stupid talking to yourself, you know, out loud <laughs> to a phone or uh, Xbox. Yeah. But nowadays, it's like, it's very casual because everyone else does it as well. So it's like, oh, this is fine. This is normal. We can actually use this technology just to talk our uh, our Xbox to play a game or go to an app or I need to talk to my phone and write an email which actually I've done a couple of times especially when I was driving and my car can sync up with my phone and so I can just go you know Siri uh, new email it's like who do you want to send it to in your contacts I say the name it gets it right maybe like 20% of the time <laughs> you know it's like it's like send email to Sean and it comes up with Shane it's like no 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 no, wrong guy yeah yeah uh, you know, it, it's close, but it does pick up a, a lot of uh, voice... I guess different words and voices, especially. Like, if you had a very thick accent or if you were very soft, it still picks up words, especially if you're dictating a message. Yeah. Uh, it works, yeah, to a degree. I mean, unfortunately, thanks to autocorrect, who, which was, I believe, made by the devil, <laughs> uh, that it keeps changing every word into something else, especially if I'm using a very colloquial phrase and it alters it to something else, which is... Complete gibberish.
0: Yeah. You know. Well, I was going to ask. You know, these these are American devices. You know, at the the iPhone and Siri and everything. How how does it work with somebody from Australia?
1: <laughs> oh, it still works. It just yeah. unfortunately, you know, you say something like, "Get a how's it going." I come up with something saying, "Get town how's a wash" <laughs> or something like that.
0: So you know, a lot of new products are starting to integrate this technology and. You know, Siri and Google and Amazon are all working on their own voice recognition and Microsoft. And so we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Very, very close to this uh, being a reality. Another thing is uh, the fact that there's more than 300 channels here. Mm. The movie did correctly predict that cable providers would offer hundreds more television channels than, than were offered in the 80s.
1: Yeah. The only one thing they didn't predict is reality shows filling up, I guess, near to 100 of those channels. Yes. <laughs> just too much. Like I don't want reality. I'm tired of reality. That's why you watch TV shows and movies to escape.
0: Yeah. It's 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 huge. It's growing year by year. There's channels that used to be strictly arts and entertainment and short films and the arts, the performing arts, and now they're all just reality because it's it's very cheap, very cheap to produce. So finally, the Marty McFly of 2015 comes home. This is the, you know, the older version of Marty McFly. And I love how he's electronically greeted. Did you notice that? Hmm. Was it Master of the House? King of the Castle? Okay. Lord of yeah. all he surveys? Yeah. Lord of the Manor or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, we also see that he's wearing two neckties. Uh, another style of the time that really didn't come true.
1: Yeah, that's a shame. <laughs> that, is, that is a shame.
0: Now, as uh, 1985 Marty leaves the DeLorean and he's walking down the street in front of Hilldale there, he sees an automatic dog walker go by. So, obviously, you know, this is a technology certainly does not exist. You know, I, I suppose it might be feasible one day with drones,
1: but with how loud those things are and, you know, dogs are not... Actually, dogs would probably attack drones. There actually is a video on YouTube you can see a bunch of animals just attacking those things because they just think it's a toy. It's flying yeah, around. Yeah, that's true. There's a video of a dog, was it a guy with a drone on his uh, kitchen table and there's two dogs looking at it and like he gets the thing to fly and then the dog jumps up and attacks it and takes it (laughs) apart. (laughs) That's
0: funny. So yeah, so either your dog will uh, get scared of it and not want to go and be dragged around by the thing or it will aggressively jump at it and try to attack it and be free.
1: Unfortunately I don't think the drones that we have now are weighted enough for actually to drag a dog along. I think the dog would be the one dragging this a you know, piece of plastic around, which is yeah. basically just the equivalent of just letting your dog run free around the streets. So, <laughs> Actually, I think the only good dog walking piece of equipment I've actually seen was in, what was it, a Tom Jones music video. Okay. In the 90s. <laughs> Please if, explain. If, if, if you would known a music video, God, I got it. Uh, in the 90s or maybe 2000s, if you just give me just a moment. If I only knew. Yeah, I think the best example of dog walking technology was from the Tom Jones music video. Uh, called If I Only Knew, where you have a dog that's led around on a leash by a. Was it? It's like there's like all these. I guess it would, what would you would call like a monorail system around a neighborhood. Okay. While there's like a lazy guy li- sitting at home. He's playing his guitar while the dog goes running around the neighborhood enjoying other dogs and animals. Well, actually, other dogs. But like if you find the music video, it's very off the time, I'll say. Uh, and it's very classic old fashioned Tom Jones. You know, this is when he was reinventing himself right, to right. be more hyper and more active. But yeah, the music video involves a dog being led around by a track system. That's, it. That's the only good version of that I've seen of like you know, future dogs being walked around. And this yeah, video yeah. came out in, like, I think, is it uh, late 90s, mid 90s. Yeah. So if you look it up, look up uh, Tom Jones, if I only knew that music video. <laughs>
0: Very good. So now with the DeLorean empty, Biff gets into it and he's holding the almanac and he flies away. And back at the McFly house, Lorraine opens a small package containing a tiny dehydrated pizza. It's from Pizza Hut. And it's half pepperoni, half green pepper. And she places it in the Black & Decker hydrator. A lot of product placement here. And uh, she speaks to it, asking for hydrate level 4. And with a couple of flashes of light in a matter of seconds, it dings, it's ready, and now is a complete 15-inch pizza that she Removes from it and places on the table, piping hot.
1: Mm. And for some reason, it's already pre-sliced too. But what, yeah. I, what I like is that um, it Marty says is like, "Ah, oh, you really know how to rehydrate a pizza, Ma." And yeah, he's like, boy, oh
2: boy, Ma. Yeah,
1: I wish I, 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 can't believe I missed the whole thing. Yeah, you know, either that's sarcasm in his part, or he's just really weary of the future. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But actually, strange off leading to this um, scene with them around a the dinner table, you have actually three versions of uh, Michael J. Fox. Yeah. With his future son, his current self, and his uh, daughter. And that actual uh, ability to do that scene was a, a, a term called glide Huh. okay. It was a robotic motion control uh, camera dolly system that allowed an actor to play two or more parts in a single scene using computer controlling uh, pan.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it, this was a very uh, innovative movie anyway. I mean, we saw that earlier. There were two versions of Biff at Cafe 80s. Yep. Uh, there's a couple of scenes like where old Biff tosses the the almanac to young Biff.
1: You can see kind of it fly through the air. Because mm, I, I was meaning to mention it, but I could, couldn't remember the, the name for it. Because um, they used it later on. I think Zemeckis used the idea. Because like part of it were like blue screen, other parts were actually the Vista Glide, especially mm-hmm. in the scene with uh, Biff in the car with younger Biff. And there's that because what well, if you look at it he, the, when he hands over the magazine, it's actually a fake arm that's connected, and it kind of moves over. Like, it doesn't move in any direction. Like, it doesn't, like, bend or change. It just kind of, like, pans over to the younger Biff. Uh huh. So, if you look at that scene again, uh, when old Biff's talking to young Biff and he's there in the garage and the arm hands, like, you know, hands over the magazine, yeah, that's basically, was it, I think, um, older Biff's blue screened in and then there's, like, a, a fake robotic arm. And because it's timed to the camera, the camera moves over at the same time as the arm. And so the arm's the only real thing. And all the, all, um, what's it? Tom Wilson is acting is to no, nobody and just basically takes the arm or takes the magazine from the fake robotic arm.
0: That's amazing, yeah. Yeah. It, it's those and little, for 1989
1: too, you know. Yeah, for those little classic camera tricks. It works really well. I mean, yeah, you can see a couple of times where the eye line isn't exactly matching. Yeah. Uh, but it works really well for the fact that it can frame it inside the uh, windshield of the car. So, you know, when you have to cut inside the scene, right? Instead of it being just a free scene where characters uh, move around in the space and they usually put like a kind of what is it like they put an object in between the two characters or something like that yeah yeah, like a, like to hide the cut or a, a break in the scene um, with that scene they actually all have it all set up inside the car and you can just look at the cut around the frame of the car so it doesn't you know he actually exists in that little frame of the windshield and then the arms the fake thing and it moves across and that's also the other real thing in the scene itself but it looks really great, and that kind of uh, technology has, I guess, been adapted these days and altered and changed, and thanks to CGI, yeah, it's much easier to clean up those things, especially blue screen.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Mm. It's, it still holds up, though. It's, it still looks great all these years later.
1: Oh yeah, these days it, it looks great, especially if you have a director who knows exactly how to make the cuts. Because, you know, if you linger too long on a character, it's, it's too obvious. But if you have something which is distracting you from the fact that, you know, there's this... You know, digitally enhanced character or a character which is blue screened in. Yeah, it, it works really well because your brain doesn't actually tick over and go, oh, that's fake. Yeah, right. But yeah, it works in that scene, especially when, um, I think after Marty gets, they, uh, they put the pizza down, Marty stands up and he has that coffee dispenser or something. It's like, some sort of juice or tea dispenser. And it has like, he pours over, he pours, um, cause it measures out, strangely enough, this future technology, it measures out a perfect glass and he pours it in his, into his son's cup and then the cup moves. And so, it all blends together, even though, obviously, that's just a visual trick. So, Marty yeah. sends up, pours a cup, and then the cup moves, because his son picks up, even though his son's being played by him, and then he moves across, and he fills up his own cup. So, no, little hints, bits and pieces here and there. But, you know, moving on, it's it's an interesting scene visually, even though you're trying to take in, like, a, a normal day in the life of people living in this 2015 future.
0: Yeah. Definitely a lot to take in, and of course, that's what we're trying to attempt to do, but yeah. uh, again, there's just so
1: much there. It's it's amazing. Mm, it's like a visual feast of ideas, especially because it feels like everything has been kind of retrofitted into the house. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, in, the, in this day and age, still happens. You still have a lot of new technologies being retrofitted into buildings, especially for the fact that, you know, uh, we want, like, Wi-Fi dongles and updated, I guess, internet cabling and stuff like that, and you have old houses which haven't been built like that, and so they have to kind of retrofit uh, equipment into the walls or actually make a, a service point within a building. But uh, yeah, it's interesting because it, it feels very organic in that scene because everything feels like it's it's properly being used and everything is actually just a normal life, like a normal day. Like They're not making any kind of huge grand entrance of a new piece of equipment like going, oh my God, it's fruit coming from the ceiling. <laughs> right. Or it's like, wow, we're using our headsets to watch TV. You know, they're not marvelling at the future. They're just living in it. And it, and it yeah. sells it. It sells the scene really well because you're just watching it. Like, I guess you're watching an episode of Roseanne in a way. You know how they all sit around a dinner table and they're all talking and they're all just doing a normal thing like eating out of pizza box or just you know having um, prepackaged food. And that's mm-hmm. what it looks like. It, it feels organic.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's it's that used future. It's something that uh, is going to sound odd, but something that we see in Star Wars and in Futurama. Uh, also in Blade Runner. Oh, of course, Blade Runner too. Mm. Yeah. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt. We're just going to pause the discussion right here and take a brief commercial break. So we're going to pay some bills and we'll be right back.
2: Star Wars. From the universe of Star Wars comes a brand new adventure taking place on the Death Star before New Hope. It's the story of Systems Monitor Peterson. Ah,
1: just another
2: another working day monitoring and checking the systems yep that looks yep everything seems to be fine yep yeah, it looks good too yep that, that looks fine and that looks fine as well filled with suspense excitement Peterson must face the daily challenges. Excuse me, are you Jenkins? Sorry sir, I'm actually Peterson. Oh, my mistake. And now back to my important work of monitoring. Good. Good. Well, that's pretty good over there, too. Very good. And look forward to a new show starring Han Solo in the later years of Han Solo's life called Han Solo. Rogue Scoundrel. So, Solo, you believe you can steal from us? Look like so. I haven't taken anything. You're a notorious smuggler. Why should we trust you? Look, I have no idea what you're talking about. Maybe one of your men have been stealing things behind your back. Return our stolen goods to us and we'll let you go. I have no idea what you're talking about. Nobody leaves this hotel and steals not one, but two Toblerones from us. (laughs) Alright, Chewie. Run! (laughs) 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 Your bill. With so much new Star Wars, you'll be turning to your friend going, Where did I get these ideas? When will I run out of ideas? Has the marketing department gone insane? No, it's just Star Wars. All time, every day. As long as you keep buying our products, we'll keep dishing this stuff out. Forever, and ever, and ever, and ever.
0: So dehydrated pizza, of course, something we don't have. People, though, they do eat dried fruit, dried meat. Of course, that's been going on for uh, centuries. Mm-hmm. But uh, miniature pizzas, not really commercially available. Uh, the closest thing that we have is um, the food that's actually brought into space for astronauts to eat. Astro uh, Yeah, it is dehydrated. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just not really a practical option. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. still pretty easy to get a pizza nowadays.
1: Yeah, and you actually can rehydrate uh, a pizza in a way. Please use caution if using the pizza
0: hydration method Hamish is about to suggest. The Hitting Play podcast is not responsible for any damage or bodily harm as a result of taking this advice. Use
2: at your own risk.
1: This is this is the only method I know to make a pizza actually taste properly moist. Because you know how pe- if you have pizza a, a day old or two days old and it's very dry? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a trick you can do, don't put it in the oven because that will dry it out even more what you do, you can use a microwave but it makes it very wet but what you want to do is this you get like uh, a glass, fill it half of water put your pizza slice in there and put your, uh, with like, you know, paper underneath you know, kitchen paper and then put a glass of water in there as well so it's half a glass of water and your pizza and then you cook it for about uh, 30 seconds it actually rehydrates the pizza for you so you're saying the, the, the glass is next to the pizza yeah, because you're putting more moisture into the air itself and so after you've done that, yeah, you'll actually, your pizza will actually be more moisturous, I'll say. And I've done, okay. this, I've done this many occasions. Because like if you've done it, if you just put like a pizza slice in there, it'll just come up very soggy. But you need something to off-balance it. So you put half a glass of water in there at the same time. And it, yeah, adds some moisture to it, but it balances it out. This is what I found. Okay. This is one of those things I've, I, I was told by one of my other mates. And I didn't believe him at first. And I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. But it does it? It just equals out. It gives it, like adds more moisture to the pizza, but it doesn't overly moisturize it. Huh? Yeah, this is actually a weird thing that does actually work. Well, if your house burns down, remember
0: it's not the Hitting Play Podcast. This is strictly the view of Hamish <laughs> and his suggestion.
1: I, I, I'm just trying to help people eat pizza. That's 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 my <laughs> role in this future pizza preservation. That's what it is. Now, the, the hydrator, uh, of course, Black &
0: Decker makes this hydrator. Uh, this is not a household appliance, but food hydration is still done with boiling water. And as the example of your uh, your glass trick, you know, that's uh, pretty much how it's done on a commercial level, too. Black & Decker really doesn't have uh, anything like that commercially available, but, uh, you know, we don't really need it. So if mm-hmm. uh, we ever did have dehydrated food, I'm sure many appliance companies would come out with proper appliance to make it edible for us. Mm. Now, at the dinner table, Marty Jr. is wearing a pair of video-enabled glasses, and he calls for a piece of fruit from the garden center, which is this thing that's suspended above the table. Well, first of all, let's talk about
1: that fruit dispenser. What do you, what do you think about that? you have one of those? Uh, No. <laughs> I have a garden <laughs> at the back of the house, which you could probably use. I think the only thing i got growing in the garden at the moment is um, a lemon tree. Oh, okay. Yeah, And I have a compost heap. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so if I need fresh compost, it works. But um, yeah, I haven't got a fruit thing, but you you can do hydroponics in your house. Yeah. Please don't do hydroponics for the other reasons, but <laughs> keep it with fruit, people. But yeah, hydroponics is still a thing that exists today. I mean, you know, I still know a couple of people who, you know, grow their own tomatoes at the, in their house and they have a hydroponics setup. But yeah, you can still do fruit in your house, but... Depending on which way it's done in the future, either that stuff is delivered or it actually is being grown inside the house, which I'm assuming is just a hydroponics setup in that roof. That's what it seems to be. Yeah, because it comes out from the roof, so I'm guessing that there's a hydroponics chamber up on top of the roof and it comes down and, yeah, it gives them fruit.
0: Yeah. I mean, it seems a little easier just to have a bowl of fruit on the table, but, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs>
1: hey, you got to get that fruit somehow. you got to get the I fruit, guess. fruit and veg. But it's weird <laughs> that he wants fruit and he's also eating pizza. That's, yeah, yeah, that was strange. That's an odd dietary choice. <laughs> He's an odd kid, anyway.
0: <laughs> Something's wrong with that kid. Yeah, can't even fix his jacket. <laughs> Call for some pineapple or something. But the, anyway, the, the video glasses, now, or the video telephone glasses, whichever way you want to view it, mm. uh, uh, that's something very similar to what we
1: have nowadays. We had it. I think they, they've disbanded the Google Glass concept now. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, it looks like the Google Glass came and went... Due to fact that I think there's a whole idea of the one the privacy issue with it being able to film people without mm-hmm. you being without you knowing. and you can watch and do a lot of things with it. And I think it was a great idea. Unfortunately, it just wasn't accepted into normal society. It didn't gel with the um, rest of the market, you know yeah, I mean I, I think it's great. I think you know if you want to have something which looks like a Dragon Ball Z scanner scout, looks fantastic. <laughs> uh, if you want to really you know, make your own. But problem is, yeah, it just it just it didn't pick up. Uh, from a lot of videos I've seen of either reaction videos or people just using it in a day-to-day life, yeah, it just just didn't have a certain X factor, I guess I want to call it, a certain zest. I mean, it's very futuristic and it's very interesting, and it would be very useful in other situations, especially like I don't know if you're using it for um, I guess medical emergencies, and you need to actually visually see what's wrong with the patient. Yeah, I mean that that would be great. But, yeah, just for the, uh, an actual consumer's point of view, yeah, I just I – cu- I couldn't see myself actually getting into it.
0: Yeah, and, like, virtual reality, I mean, that kind of has been around for, you know, upwards of 20, 25 years mm. Uh but it's one of those things that's not really commercially available. We don't all have our own virtual reality headset. Mm. Uh, the Oculus Rift is pretty much the the big one that's really starting to uh, make some headway in the market. Mm. Google Cardboard is becoming a very popular thing where you can use virtual reality uh, simply by sliding <laughs> in your smartphone
1: and downloading an app. I just like how it's actually cardboard. You know, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's, it's not this fancy Google Glass um, high-end technology. It's just cardboard and an app. You know, making yeah. making the most of what you've got, and that's the thing. It's true. Oculus Rift has picked up because I think the idea of using it for um, one educational purposes, two entertainment purposes, is is what we want. You know, escaping reality, and I think Google Glass being a social reality device, I guess you want to call it. You know, where you're actually using it to record things, take photos of things. You know, hands free. But it's just it there's just some sort of certain factor which wasn't wasn't there for like you know mass. Consumerism, you know, like I, I never yeah. had friends going, oh, I want to get a Google Glass, you know, the next iPhone, sure, but um, a Google Glass, no, it just, it just seemed like, you know, one, if you're talking to somebody on it, it you're not having a private conversation; it just looks like you're talking to yourself loudly. <laughs> right. And obviously, in time, seeing as advertising seems to be a huge thing the, in this day and age, even though you know we've tried to avoid it with you know um, ad blocking software. Uh, YouTube at the moment doing YouTube Red because mm-hmm. of you know trying to get rid of you know people using ad blocking software and people not making money from ad blocking software yeah eventually you'd start getting pop-ups and ads and things like that on your Google Glass which is not what you want you know mm-hmm. so anything that was I think pure about the idea it's vastly and quickly became something which was very negative seeing as we just match it to what we have now and yeah, you know, we hate ads we don't want ads and we don't want people selling us things and so Obviously, in time, we could see projected in the future that the Google Glass would probably have ads and rubbish like that. Yeah. You know, and also worrying about our privacy and what kind of information these kind of things give out.
0: Yeah, so it would have to be something really spectacular to really uh, replace the, the iPhone, the smartphone, in our daily lives,
1: and it just really wasn't enough to do that. Mm. But, you know, they, they had a shot. They tried. It failed. But, you know, I'm sure from this failure, something else will come along. It's like, you know, Apple during was it like a mid nineties having the Newton, mm-hmm. that Palm pilot Newton thing, yep. uh, which is a great joke in the Simpsons with, um, <laughs> yes. you know, he, he's like, Hey, write that down in Newton. And it's like, you know, beat up Martin. And it changes to, it's say, like, eat up Martha. Yeah. Again, autocorrect. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause like, you know, I remember Steve jobs coming back to Apple and going, Get rid of all this crap. We'll just focus on these things. So, you know, if you didn't... But I'm sure that what they saw from the Newton was, you know, new and fancy. And they kind of, i guessing, borrowed certain shapes and forms for um, the iPhone in certain ways. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at the I think Galaxy, the Galaxy S, you can write on it and draw on it and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, even though the Newton didn't work then, you give it a couple more years, you know, the technology and the um, uh, usability of it will just come along into some sort of other form. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I guess when you look at uh, Marty's kids using the glasses, yeah, sure, TV was a big thing, but I'm sure it was during the '80s, you know, when you actually had to watch TV at a specific time. But these days, you can just, you know, DVR it, watch it later, watch it on Netflix. Yeah, you, know, you have a lot more choice.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, also in the scene behind Marty and Lorraine, we see a device called the Master Cook in the kitchen. Uh, obviously. This kind of device that would actually cook the meal in full for you, prepare it from scratch, does not exist. But in May of 2015, there was a a robotic smartphone-controlled robot chef that was unveiled at a technology fair. It contained 24 motors, 26 microcontrollers, and 129 sensors. And its inventors claimed that owners would still have to lay out all of the ingredients to make a meal, but their robot master chef, as they call it, would be able to prepare, cook, and wash the dishes afterwards. Hmm. So it's like, well, you know, it's, you still got to uh, juice the lemons and cut up the herbs and fillet the fish, but then, uh, <laughs> then this little robot thing will uh, cook it for you
1: and wash the dishes. Oh, Good. <laughs> so I, I have to do all the actual work and preparation, but the robot will just jam all that equipment together.
0: That's what I, I'm getting out of it, but we'll, we'll, you know, who knows? We'll see.
1: Yeah, Maybe in the future. Maybe in the future.
0: So Marlene sees on her video-enabled glasses that the phone is ringing, and Marty Jr. tells his father that it's Needle's calling. So this is very similar to caller ID that we have today. Uh, not quite in our faces, but, you know, on through our cable provider, when the phone rings, it shows up right on the screen who's calling. So, you know, something uh, very similar to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can still have video conferencing. Um, thanks to Skype, like this right now. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, video conferencing has become a huge thing in this day and age. I mean, you know, you still have people who connect up, uh, I guess, to the companies as well, where they have uh, video conferences with each other. Even though you mm-hmm. can't go all the way to the other side of the world. You just have a video conference, get everyone together, and you can actually talk to each other. So basically that technology in this day and age still exists, and I think it's just going to keep getting better and better these this day and age. I mean, even on your iPhone, you can talk to people using um, FaceTime, you have it on your phone. So the technology is literally in your hand, and it's everywhere. Yeah,
0: yeah the, the movie nailed this prediction. Uh, this can be done, th- like you said, through handheld devices, but you can Skype through your television screen with a small camera. Uh, the Kinect even offers that function through Xbox, where you could talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. And see them on the screen. Uh, Video telephones, you know, at at the time, they had those uh, desk units with a small screen. They were talking about, you know, maybe in the future we could have pay phones with this as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just very impractical, especially for the time and the the limitations of the technology. But, wow, has it caught up in those 30 years?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's as usable as it is. I mean, it's very casual that you can use it today. I mean, it's great. I mean, it's great to see that something like that has come along to this day and age, because yeah, it's it's the most useful tool. On one hand, you could say it's it's kind of separating you from actually having physical contact with somebody. But at the same time, yeah, yeah it's it's the most usable piece of kit that actually uh, predicted in the future.
0: Yeah, probably the best prediction of this movie for sure. Mm. So Marty takes the call in the other room, and he's able to talk to Douglas J Needles face to face on his big screen television. And of course, this is played by Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm. We also see that among Needles' sports that he likes to play, that gives us a little bio at the bottom, is uh, Slam Ball, which we talked about extensively in part one. Mm -hmm. So Needles is trying to entice Marty here into inserting his card and taking advantage of some sort of illegal financial opportunity. Mm. But Marty refuses. He says "You know, he could lose his job. And uh, Needles calls him a chicken. And, of course, we know what happens when uh, Marty's called a chicken. So Marty scans his card. Needles thanks him. So as the call ends, we get a message on the screen thanking you, or thanking Marty at least, for for using AT&T. AT&T is used with product placement here, as well as JVC. All those kids' video telephones, those were all JVC products. It's pretty funny. Hmm. So immediately on the screen, right after that, comes Ito T. Fujitsu, who they call the Jits (laughs) as a nickname. And he's Marty's supervisor at the Cusco plant. And uh, he tells Marty that he was monitoring... Uh, this the whole time, and he's now fired. It's mm. I just love the the words "You're fired" start blinking on the screen, and they come through every fax machine in Marty's
1: house. If he said like "You're fired," and he hits a button, there's one button for like "You're fired." <laughs> yeah, the "You're fired." Yeah, he has a pre-programmed button for that kind of uh, situation. <laughs> But, yeah, when it pops up on the screen and he says, you're fired, that technology of was it, uh, monitoring people's calls, I mean, that's been around forever. But in this day and age, yeah, I mean, you can track people's IP addresses. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, that's strange what he did, but it's more accessible seeing as it looks like he used it for um, business reasons, right, for his co- in, mm-hmm. uh, interpersonal company stuff. And that's th- that does actually happen. You know, companies actually do hire... Um, other people outside your know, private companies to monitor the staff, monitor the um, IP addresses, especially for information that's ingoing and outgoing, to make sure the staff aren't you know spilling company secrets and things like that, and also yeah. not accessing I guess, in, uh, personal or private information, which they shouldn't be doing. So that's that's also a, a point that really makes sense for the fact that they're r- 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 ahead of something which is, in this day and age, even this, uh, this past couple of years, it is still being done today. And cybercrime is definitely a part of the world we now live in. Yeah, cybercrime. We haven't gotten to the point of people stealing thumbs yet, but yeah, cybercrime is is still on top of it. But also, just a quick side note of Flea. He was born in Melbourne, Australia. Was he really? Yeah, he actually was born in Melbourne, Australia. This is a factoid I've known for years. It's just I've never been able to... (laughs) Somehow express it. But no, he was born in Melbourne, Australia. So we snuck in an Australian, technically, actor, uh, into your movie. That's funny. Yeah. But yeah, born in um, Australia, but uh, I guess lived in America the rest of his life.
0: And he's 53 years old right now, which I think is older than Needles would have been in 2015.
1: Actually, strange fact uh, to bring back up. None of the actors who play their older selves look like their older selves in this day and age. No,
0: not at all. Everyone's holding up pretty well.
1: Yeah, which is... Odd because they all assumed they'd all have like white streaks through their hair, be a lot more wrinkled, and they really don't. I mean, Michael J. No. Michael J. Fox looks like he's still very vibrant. I'll say, mm-hmm. and many of the actors still you know holding it together. Even um, was it Tom Wilson who plays yeah. Biff? Yeah, it, Biff's supposed to look like this trash suit wearing bouffant, weird permed <laughs> hair, whatever you call it, um, sprayed hair, and he looks fine. He looks like a normal guy. So he, yeah, one of the predictions. That they kind of thought was like everyone was going to look more decrepit than they would, but no, completely wrong.
0: Another thing I was going to mention too is um, the fact that Marty has a Japanese boss. Mm. This might just be coincidence, but if you notice a lot of things in that 2015 are uh, Japanese or Asian influenced. You noticed uh, Doc's shirt had Chinese or Japanese characters. At the time, Japan was really looked to as a, a big leader in industry. So I, I bet, you know, at least uh, that's my guess, is that they felt that trend would would continue. And really, you know, a lot of Japanese products are in our homes, mm. cars that we drive. And uh, yeah, it's just a big leader in industry.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, the was a huge leader in industry, uh, I guess, in that time period. And it's funny because, like, Muddy uses a... Um, his briefcase has a a swipe thing in it, like it pops up with like a card swipe, which is kind of like what we have nowadays. I mean, you can use your card in a wireless F machine these days, mm-hmm. so that does exist. Wireless uh, funds transactions. Yeah,
0: mm. and it's funny because there's some sort of illegal financial opportunity going on here. It almost reminded me of the the scheme from Office Space, which itself was a copy of the illegal financial scheme from Superman Three. But that's uh, <laughs> that's something for another episode.
1: <laughs> Also, going back to, I think, Doc's shirt. Yeah, he has, like, the Chinese character shirt, the red one. And he also has the one you see in the beginning of it where it's, like, this yellow one with trains on it, which is a reference Mm. to the next movie about how they are on a train. And strangely enough, the bandana he's wearing in that train sequence at the end is actually his old shirt.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: Yeah. That's one of the weird factoids that they put into it because the shirt is supposed to represent what happens next. And also, his comment in um, one of the other, in the second one, where he talks about, you want, always want to be a cowboy. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he mentioned, like, oh, I always want to be a cowboy. He mentioned something like that. But also, one thing I forgot to mention, you know how, and this is, I think, something else, I, I think when my father was watching Back to the Future years ago, he mentioned that, you know, he said, why would you walk away from the car and keep the door open? But that was actually set up in Back to the Future 1. Because remember when Marty gets back in time, and he has to go save Doc, and the car won't start? And he mm-hmm. leaves it in the middle of the road with the door open and runs off oh okay because he he basically leaves the car there leaves the door open and runs off and in the second movie he does the same thing when he leaves the car door open and walks off
0: that's funny yeah yeah because
1: he doesn't he forgets to close the car doors for things which seems to be a trait of just Marty being a young teenager or you know being very aloof but the other thing is like he took the dog out of the car so the dog couldn't bark at anybody they had Einstein in the car didn't they yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah had Einstein in the car. But also, how did Biff know how to use the time machine?
0: Yeah, that was an interesting thing, too. I'm not... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: these these are glaring plot holes that I'm not going to get into. But, you know, maybe it's just very usable. Like, he just kind of guessed it. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, maybe Doc actually created the time machine to be very um, functionally informative on its own. Yeah. I guess you call called. You know, like, you know, it's like a door that says push. What do you do? You push the door.
0: Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But the, the movie got so much right. Or you know they were they were so meticulous in in the details that they kept correct that mm. I can't really slam them for for some small or maybe glaring plot holes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it, it's still fun and exciting. Yeah, especially it really especially is. A can, you know has is Doc wearing like, like see through glasses or like the glasses that he's wearing or are they just like I mean obviously I think the prop he can't see through it, but uh, no. were they the same glasses <laughs> as the glasses that the kids were using? You know with like TV weather and all that kind of craziness. Uh, the, you're talking about the the metal. Yeah, the silver glasses. He's a little. Future driving glasses? Yeah,
0: in in function, they probably they probably were because yeah. I think he could see behind him. It had a rear display inside. Mm. But yeah, I was I was thinking about that watching it. It's just mm. funny thinking about Christopher Lloyd acting and just being completely blind for that scene. You know,
1: mm. well, he's in, he's basically in a car which is being shoved around by um, I guess guys underneath it with just you know <laughs> ties and pieces of wood just to kind of a jib. That's what you call it. But um yeah uh, yeah his shirt does dictate going back to his shirt uh, that yeah the future was. Gay, I guess, in some way or another, being dominated by a new market.
0: Yeah, I just uh, have you ever seen the the Back to the Future ride? Have you ever heard of that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think on the DVD you can get. You can actually, they actually have the video of it. Where it has like, it's one of those non sequiturs, I guess you call it, where it's like Doc has like some sort of foundation or some sort of lab with like technicians and stuff like that, just to explain the other people walking around a facility. He has some right, sort right. of um, Back to the Future lab or some sort of Doc Brown Industries lab, and then like Biff from. Was it? It's Biff from the present. No, Biff from Biff from the fifties. Biff from the fifties somehow steals a time a DeLorean, and he has two of them because he steals one, and then you are in the other one, and they go on that whole yeah. time traveling adventure. And then you have to save Biff because he's an idiot.
0: Yes, he takes it for a joyride. Now, I I'm, I'm not sure if that's canon or not, <laughs> but if it is, that could explain why Biff all these years. He he recognized the Delorean. He remembers, you know. He he said, "I haven't seen one of these in years." Hmm. So he could have been referencing the time that he took it on a joyride,
1: or the time that he saw it disappear when he was old. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's that's, that's, <laughs> that's either version because I don't I don't think people are gonna go that far off to get all the information they need from Back to the Future. Where it's just like, oh, I gotta go to a ride at Universal Studios. <laughs> Especially, it gets even more confusing because if you look at the music video for. Um, was it Power Love or Back in Time? Uh, the yeah. one with Huey Lewis. And he's in a... Bu- it starts off with Doc Brown pulling up to the bar in the time machine. But then in the bar, <laughs> Huey Lewis is in front of everyone and going, Well, this is it. This is the song that made it. This is the one you want to hear. And he's... like In the music video, he's talking about the popular song, which we're about to watch, to a group of people who have come along for the music video. And he's talking about how popular the song is and how excited he is for it to be in the movie. Yet Doc Brown is outside... It's very confusing because it's like, wait, is Doc Brown watching them do the song based off the movie that he's in about his life?
0: Yeah, yeah. And then
1: halfway through the music video, some people get into the car and they go back in time. <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's the most confusing music video. Look it up. It's it was back in time uh, for the Back to the Future, Huey Lewis song. But yeah, it just has him boasting about how great the song is and how great, you know, oh, it's in this, the big movie, guys, it's going to be great. <laughs> and Doc Brown's like, don't touch the car. I need to just do get into it. And he just leaves the car there with the door open and people get into it and try <laughs> again with the door open. It, it, it's again, it's it's a product of the time, you know, just like the dragnet rap.
0: Oh, yes. You don't need it. So, for those keeping track, you got to look up the dragnet rap, Tom Jones, and the Huey Lewis power of love song.
1: Yeah. It's power love. No, it's, I think it's power love or it's back in time. Whatever it is. It's... Or back in time. Yeah, because look up both. Two of them, yeah.
0: Four videos you got to look up now. Yeah.
1: But yeah, it, it's, it's just ridiculous because it's just. It's one of those things that, like, you know, the guy who put it together was like, ah, screw it. We'll just get the DeLorean, Doc Brown, Hewless. We'll just record Hewless doing a set. That's it. That's it? Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's it.
0: Now, one more note before we move on is uh, the the actual Back to the Future ride video was directed by a man named Peyton Reed, who this year directed the movie yeah, Ant-Man man. and is going yeah. on to uh, direct the sequel as
1: well. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, selling off... Yeah, doing that. I mean, you know, anyone involved in Back to the Future would just love it. Especially, yeah. you know, it looked like it was a lot of fun. Especially, I think because you, you can see the video on the DVD, uh, especially the newest DVDs which have come out, and so you can you know relive the ride. Just get yourself in a chair and tilt yourself left and right. You know, pretend that you're in the <laughs> ride itself. But no, I just I just like when they commercialize a, a movie series or. A, something which is supposed to be taken serious in the concept of the movie and then they just change it like every, every ride is a flux capacitor. yeah. You know? <laughs> and there's that very cheerful woman who's, in a way, like, you, she's selling the concept of what you're experiencing as just a ride but at the same time it just cheapens it. Mm-hmm. It's great. <laughs>
0: So now, back in the in the movie, in the scene, we see Doc finally shows up to the McFly house. He's at the window and he's he's knocking on it. And he wants to rescue Jennifer, and he tells her that she needs to press her thumbprint on the plate to open the door. Jennifer sneaks by Marty, who was explaining to his mother that the "you're fired" fax is just a joke, and walks to the front door where she comes face to face with her future self, and uh, one says, "I'm young," and the other says, "I'm old," and they both pass out. And uh, Doc catches the young Jennifer, calls for Marty to come, and Biff parks the DeLorean right where he found it. Now Biff stumbles out of the DeLorean, breaking off the top of his cane, which was very important. The top of his cane, we didn't talk about it. It's a its a clenched fist, which came in handy for uh, wrapping Marty on the top of the head. Doc and Marty now rush the unconscious Jennifer back to the DeLorean, along with Einstein. And Doc vows to destroy the time machine, saying, "You know, at this point, the risks are just too great, and you know you can only imagine what would happen if it fell into the wrong hands." Of course, not knowing what Biff just did. Now, Sean brought out something kind of interesting. I Mm -hmm. I never knew this. We kind of just see Biff stumble away, and that's it. Mm -hmm. But have you seen the deleted scene that kind of extends that? Yeah,
1: he uh, fades away.
0: Yeah, he has like a heart attack almost. It just kind of
1: yeah, like a like a like a painful fading away as he gets erased.
0: Yeah, because he, he successfully altered the timeline at that point.
1: Yeah, and it uh, must have happened really quickly because to Marty, it happened very slowly. Yeah. But I guess that's what's happened to Sean right now. He's faded away, which we haven't <laughs> explained why he's in here. Unfortunately, he went back in time and rewrote something and somehow evaporated into thin air. <laughs> yeah, he gave his younger self. I think he gave himself a tic tac. He was like, you got to try oh, these, these was. are orange. And then it was just like, hey, these are pretty good. And then he just didn't, have, he didn't meet his wife, didn't have any kids. Yeah, very sad. I know. It all comes down to a tic-tac. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the one and a half calorie mint. And now he's gone. <laughs> he's an earth angel. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, Doc says that time travel is just too dangerous, and he's filling up the Mr. Fusion with garbage. And uh, he says that he'll explore the other mystery of the universe instead. Women. (laughs) Again, tying directly to the third movie, which is really funny watching the second movie again and and seeing all these connections. Mm. So at this point, they fly up to the skyway, they reach the speed of 88 miles per hour, and travel back to 1985. But when they get there, uh, they seem to find that things are much different than when they left. Kind of get a uh, a Days of Future Past if you're kind of into uh, comics (laughs) <laughs> version of, uh, of Hill Valley
1: yeah but it, it talks about the idea of changing time and the, there being a, a, a different cause to it especially depending on if you had knowledge of future occurrences which is surprising yeah. enough which means that Doc and Marty are in another future after the first movie because they changed everything they're in a yes. parallel universe to, to themselves because as soon as you because the theory is as soon as you leave time you create a new timeline and every time right. you go back and forth through time yeah, you're creating another timeline where you don't exist past, or oh, there's a f- past future, whatever, where uh, the very weak Mrs. McFly uh, and his wife Lorraine have wondered, where's Marty gone? He's disappeared. And he's just lost forever. <laughs> because now Marty doesn't <laughs> exist in that timeline. So, he's now in a new one. And he always keeps creating new timelines every time he removes himself from um, time. But yeah, where they, wh- wherever they've come into now is now an evil, awful, bad place.
0: Yes, Biff of course used the almanac to place uh, wise bets uh, became the the luckiest man on earth, and used that money to get into uh, what was it? Energy he invested in like nuclear power, mm. and uh, a lot of things, and became this uh, very rich and powerful man. And of course, uh, killed or arranged the death of George McFly. A lot of terrible things happen, and uh, we see uh, Mr. Strickland, the principal. Yeah, he's no longer a is principal. a or something uh, like that. gun-toting maniac.
1: Yeah, he still gets shot at by apparently just. What was it? I guess ex students, because I knew he was a principal or something like that. Yes, they said, I like, think you know, they were. Hey, hey, a circle, and they drive by shooting at him. And <laughs> Marty, unfortunately, has stepped into his old house, which is not his house anymore.
0: No, no. In fact, he he unfortunately goes into a girl's room, and the the father shows up with a baseball bat to <laughs> to drive him away. <laughs> Without going t- into too much detail now, because we we're specifically looking at these 2015 scenes, we know that Marty is able to successfully go back, recover the almanac from 1955, not disturb the Marty that was there in the first movie, and he was able to burn it. And then Doc in the flying DeLorean is struck by lightning. Because
1: that was set, up, that was set up in the first movie too. Remember, DeLorean gets struck by like, Incar lightning, because the first major thing was it has to be struck by lightning to send it back in time. And that's what happens yeah. to him. And so, it's basically, again, set up you know, set up from the first movie to the next movie. Sorry, I interrupted you there. Sorry. No, no, no. That's it's fine. Just one of those things where it's like, it, when you look back, it's like, oh, wait, that makes sense. Because if it did ever get struck by lightning, it automatically just psh, fire itself off into the future or past or wherever. And yeah. they already set that up in the first movie. Marty only knew where to get the lightning strike. And the second one had no idea. It just was a freak occurrence
0: and it was set up also earlier that uh, the the panel was malfunctioning it kept saying 1885 and doc would have to hit it mm. so we you know that's kind of like the first clue that that's where things would be heading uh, as as marty burns the the almanac he notices that the newspaper says doc brown committed and it fades and changes to doc brown commended so he repaired the the terrible things that occurred in that timeline but as Doc now disappears, did you notice those like kind of curly flame trails that appeared after it disappeared?
1: Yeah, it was like a 99 or so 66.
0: Yeah, it's it's just kind of like that like a weird flame trail but it was curled. I didn't really think anything of that, but if you look at the very last scene of the movie to skip all the way ahead. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I, this might just be me reading into things. There's a sign that also is a it's a curled arrow in the shape of one of those things. Mm-hmm. And the sign is for Western Auto.
1: <laughs> so you're saying it's some sort of conspiracy?
0: No, it's an auto going into a Western. Mm. I don't know. That's that's just me. No, no, no. I, 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 I accept that.
1: Okay, great. <laughs> but also it could be the fact that, you know, he's just being flung through time without direction. Because it wasn't a straight, straight line through time. It was just a... Psh- yeah. Fling through time, but no, yeah, I, I think from what we've learned from the second movie, the great ideas that they put in place uh, have really inspired a new generation of people to come back to this movie and really enjoy it for what it is, and also in a way, like if it does, like let's hope it doesn't, it never does, get a remake. Thanks, thanks no. to the film itself, it'd be it'd be a weird kind of, it'd be ironic, I guess, for it to say here's a remake of. Back to the Future, even though the movie made fun of itself. I'd say if they ever did, and this is just to encapsulate what this film meant, if they ever did a remake of Back to the Future, I wouldn't want it to follow the beats of this movie. I wouldn't want it to go from like, you know, oh, he goes into the past, then he goes into the future, then he goes into the complete past. You don't want that. If you're going to do a Back to the Future, do something balls insane. Do something which is just, you know, like they set up in the first one. It was just a one-off. And the idea of the mm-hmm. flying car was a, fl- uh, a throwaway joke. Because I thought, yeah, it's just one movie. No one's going to be into it that much. But here it is. Right. Uh, and it was a throwaway gag because like, they-, they thought, yeah, there's no way we can get out of this. And yet, people loved it. And here we are. Second movie. Great ideas. Uh, and a trilogy which is rivals that of the original trilogy of uh, Star Wars. Yeah, it it definitely did. It's it made a huge cultural impact. That's for sure. Mm. And uh, I guess just like Star Wars, it's endured. Unlike Star Wars, it doesn't need continuation. I mean, there's non-canon continuations, but you can theorize. You can take ideas from it. Many people who work in, I guess, theoretical physics look back to this film and talk about the ideas of what's represented. But they also combine it with the movie um, Primer and the other movie Bill and Ted. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> a little
0: on the opposite ends of the time travel spectrum. Yeah, yeah
1: I mean, like... In terms of uh, intellectuality, I guess. Hmm, it's the thing. I th- it's great to have the the time travel movies. I mean, I've, obviously, um, Bill and Ted was a, a reaction to Back to the Future. Even yeah. though, you know, you could argue that they both have valid points. I mean, they, one has cause and effect of time travel. Uh, the other one has the idea of uh, immediate time travel as for Bill and Ted because there's a theorist out there and I can't remember his name right now but he talks about the idea that Bill and Ted, you know when they're trying to get the keys and everything to get into the uh, sheriff's office to save their time traveling companions I guess you say they said like "All "All right, right, we'll go back in time we'll put the keys right here and then the keys are there one argument can be assumed that that's it, that's what time travel is to the person living in the time because if I did this thing in the future it'd be here right now and you could actually live it. And that's the thing. It's like everything that they did and everything that's happened already exists because they've already done it. So from the person who's time-traveled or the person who's about to time-travel, or, and you've come up with this idea of just changing some things in the past, that's what it would look like to the observer living through that time mm-hmm. change. And that's the thing. You can look at that first movie of Bill and Ted going, yeah, that's what it would be like. Because if I said, I'm going to put a cup of coffee under my desk right now, and I reach under, it's already there. Why? Because I did it in the future. And that's how you observe it. And back to the future, if you change something about a certain point in your life, yeah, you can have huge changes like the butterfly effect where you know time changes, things get affected, and there's great changes in personality or uh, perceived outcome. And it's great. I I think the idea of time travel and the concept of it is going to be enduring forever and ever because time travel. (laughs) But yeah, without such things as back to the future, the imagination of people kind of slows down and you get bogged in to the idea of just being stuck in one place. And I guess without certain things like Back to the Future and other time travel movies, uh, even Doctor Who itself, the point of it is to educate and talk about the fact that you have many choices in your life right now and you should be just taking them as they come because you don't know where they lead. If you knew where they led, you wouldn't probably do it. And that's the thing. You have to understand yeah. and live through life and live through the time. To see what happens at the other end. Because, you know, then your life will end up in um, different directions. But anyway, uh, I think with movies like Back to the Future, doing something which is bold uh, and trying to predict the future and not always uh, treating it as if it should be like, oh my god, it's the future. We should all have this in your film. Just make it as organic and as real as you like. And then people just assume that that's where it's going to go. You know, unlike yep. Minority Report, I don't think we're going to have precognition people telling us future crimes, but we will have waving our hands about like an idiot to get my laptop to start, probably.
0: We're getting there, yeah. That that technology is uh, slowly yeah. creeping up. That's,
1: that's coming along, but I, I can't see myself wave my hands around. I mean, actually we're already waving our hands around thanks to connect. Oh, dang it. They've, they've <laughs> already got to us.
0: Oh boy. Just to wrap up the film, as the DeLorean gets struck by lightning and Doc disappears, we see a shadowy man kind of uh, suspensefully walking towards Marty in the rain, and he hands Marty a a package. It's actually a, a letter. It's kept in some sort of leather case, and he has Marty open it, and it's been sitting there for, what, 70 years, he said? Yeah. And they were kind of taking bets to see if Marty would be there, because he's from Western Union, and they were given the instructions to meet uh, a person that answers to Marty that fits his description at that exact time and location. And it was a letter from Doc saying that uh, he was fine and he was sent back to 1885. And so that's where the the movie leaves off. It kind of leaves you hanging. Uh, I'm not sure if it was in the theatrical version, but on the Blu-ray version, you get that montage of a lot of scenes from the third
1: movie. Actually, I think that was in the film itself. Was it? Yeah, okay. uh, it was the f- like first movie to have a trailer for the next movie. Because remember, they filmed it. The they gave away a lot. Uh, They're filming it back to back. That's the thing. Um, yeah. And so I guess they really wanted to do the big sell. I'm not sure how many months apart they did when they released each film. Because I think it's probably different here in Australia. But yeah, yeah, they oh, had a yeah. trailer for uh, the next film. Unlike what I think the last the last time I saw a trailer for another film in a film uh, was Matrix Reloaded. They actually had a trailer at the end of the credits for The Matrix Revolutions. Oh, yep. wow. Okay. That's the last, last time I remember it.
0: Yeah, November 89 was part two. May 1990 was part three. Hmm.
1: So only six months. Wow. I imagine if they did that with Star Wars.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: <laughs> I mean, they're already filming, was it Rogue One? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Those are supposed to come out yearly, from what I understand.
1: Yeah, they got a new formula. There's, like, the main ones of the stories, and then there's, like, side... Side quests, no. (laughs) Side stories.
0: Alright, well that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. Uh, Did you have anything else, Hamish?
1: Um, That we should keep watching these films, and always imagining about ideas of what could be and what might be. And also, we should move on from the 80s. It's a great time, but we're just going to get disappointed by things that didn't happen. I mean, I'm still looking for a RoboCop. I'm looking for a job as a Ghostbuster. (laughs) <laughs> but apparently not gonna happen not gonna happen Uh well one day <laughs> one day we'll also get a buckaroo banzai too but that's the yeah. thing it's we should always be making new ideas and even though we can be uh, inspired by these ideas like the movie Primer which is again fantastic movie about time travel and it's most realistic approach to what time travel could be it's great It's, it's this movie can inspire it's already a piece of work that's inspired by somebody else it's a remix of past work and so that's what we should be doing is coming up we're not with the next back to the future but the next idea using the concepts from other films and other ideas to make something new very true yeah. all right well that'll
0: pretty much do it for this episode of hitting play as always you can email us with your comments suggestions anything we missed whatever you got for us at hitting at at gmail.com or you can talk to
1: us on twitter at hitting play now hamish do you have any plugs no I'm not old enough to get plugs I'm not like you know some sort of future (laughs) Biff Tannen kind of guy getting the plugs done oh you mean social (laughs) media plugs yeah sure sure (laughs) Uh, at the moment uh, just you can find me on Twitter find me on uh, my Facebook page which is like Silent Hamish Art where I post odd things I gotta keep posting more stuff on there because I have a lot of a lot of stuff which I haven't posted up. just being busy Uh, you can find me on Instagram Silent Hamish Tumblr Silent Hamish uh, you can find me in Melbourne, Australia, on the street somewhere. Anywhere, really. I'll just be there enjoying a sandwich. Just don't freak me out and grab me. That'd be weird. But uh, Yeah, that would be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, find me up on social media, easy enough. For podcasts, find me on the past podcast if you like time travel. Well, not time travel, it's just go back and look at the archive of the Hitting Play podcast.
0: There you go. Well, I mean, that is time travel in a, in a sense. Yes, capturing a moment in time. And, and, and just bringing up Melbourne, I just want to say really quick, what was going on in Melbourne? You were, you were tweeting these pictures. Uh, they had a Marty McFly running around. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, un- unlike uh, America, <laughs> we didn't hugely get into it. There was like, I guess, spot bits and pieces. But at uh, Melbourne University, there was a, a guy with a DeLorean. Uh, Marty McFly got a- arrested. <laughs> Obviously, it was just for show. But um, yeah, yeah uh, Marty McFly got arrested for, I think, it like property damage or time damage and stuff like that you can find the link but also I think the Victorian police or the Queensland police also talked about the um, hoverboard division of the police department which was newly introduced that's hilarious <laughs> now what about your Vine account you gotta plug that thing oh yes it's on my Twitter and everything else that's like yeah you can find me on in Vine Instagram Vine Sarton Hamish Instagram Salt Hamish Facebook Sarton Hamish art on Facebook just look up Salt Hamish I think I'm on Tumblr as well as Salt Hamish find me
0: I am on Twitter as well. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can find me there. I am also on Vine. There, my name is also MC and Friends, and there I do little cartoons and flip page animation. You can follow me and check out my stuff there. Also, if you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out, and if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. Uh, for Android users, we are also available to stream and or download on Stitcher, and we can now be found on TuneIn Radio and soon we will be on Google Play, so look for us there in the future. Well, Hamish, thank you very much for taking the time to join us on Part 1 and Part 2, and I look forward to discussing more entertainment with you in the future.
1: Ah, uh, the future. Let me just check my future calendar. Oh, I haven't filled anything in. So, yeah, my future's pretty um, open.
0: Okay, so we'll hear Hamish on a future episode then, so listen, listen for that in the future. Well, we have been Hamish and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so
2: much for listening. Cool.